Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined today by Andrew Erickson and by our guest, Chris Rabon of Action Network. Chris, I've been saying it all month. Thank you so much for making the time during the busy season. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. You know I like talking some, some fantasy football this time of year. Oh, there's there's better, nothing more better, fun. Chris. It's August, <laughs> yeah. baby. Like yeah. the, My favorite things in August are fantasy football, pumpkin spice, pumpkin beer. There we go. I mean, Is it you can't forget spice more of like a fall thing that's you're not getting preseason thing. betting like what is this you, you just, oh that's true, yeah, true. true. <laughs> I, i'm that's... a new i'm an I, I i'm now adopting preseason betting now in massachusetts that we finally legalized sports wagering i actually just got out the betting pros show with uh joey futures talking some preseason betting i, I like the uh seahawks <laughs> money line this week uh, well, we, we we love to hear it. Everybody should go check that out. This is a fantasy show, though. We will dive right in because we have a lot of names to get to. We are talking our top 16 league winners. We're going to get eight names from each guy going eight to one for each of them. League winning players. One of them has already injured himself earlier today. If you know anything about Erickson, you could probably guess who that is. We will get to that later in the show. We will start with Chris, your number eight league winner. Who you got? Eric, uh, I'm going with Evan Ingram uh, for the Jags because when you look at this tight end landscape, you have Travis Kelsey with a huge separation over almost everybody else. I think Mark Andrews uh, is in a tier of his own, but, you know, it's tough to find true, you know, top three upside at tight end. And uh, for each of these uh, league winners, I actually did some research based on, you know, what I think qualifies as a league winner. I went back and looked at uh, all of the top three tight ends since 2014 that also beat their ADPs by at least three. So top, you know, top three tight ends that finished in the top three that weren't being drafted as such. And one of the things you see is you really don't see a lot of guys in their first three years in the league um, being league winners. And you, and most of them tend to be in that, 25 to 29 age range, you know, years, you know, in their fourth, somewhere in their fourth year or, or later. Um, and that's Evan Ingram. And when you look at him and what he did last year, uh, one of the top leaders at the position in routes run, um, I, you know, in this offense, Doug Peterson is like, hey, we want to score seven more points per game than we did last year. So they, they want to get to 30 points a game. They want to they want to go even faster tempo. They have ballers everywhere at the skill position. So it's not like Ingram's going to be seeing a lot of, uh, you know, double coverage and things like that. And he really came on at, after about a month where it was kind of up and down. Over those last 12 games of the regular season and, and even into the postseason, uh, he looked like a different player. And uh, I think he's one of the, the few tight ends that, you know, is it named Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews that has a chance to put up that kind of production? Really the only one I see um, that's going th- this late. I don't think Friar Muth is in that discussion. I, I think he's he's great, but I don't think he's uh, volume-wise is going to have the opportunity uh, to do it, what Engram does because I think the Jaguars could throw a lot this year and their defense isn't great. 
uh, and uh, and they want to they want to score a lot of points. So Evan Ingram for me. Yeah, tier two. If you look at an ECR, is Waller, Kittle, Pitts, Goddard, Ingram, and Fryermuth. It's it's a large tier two. Uh, Kelsey Andrews and Hawkinson is in tier one. So Engram, is he your favorite guy in that tier or he's just your favorite value in that tier? So he's the guy that I think, you know, I don't think the, the order or, or, you know, the tier itself is, is wrong per se. But again, when you look at guys who kind of profile as these league winning type of guys, not just a guy that might, you know, beat his ADP, by you know one or two spots but a guy who can actually be a top three guy at the position which i think you want you know if you make the playoffs and you got a top three guy then you're you're in pretty good shape you know no one's really gonna to outdo you at that position evan ingram just he's the really the only guy that profile that fits that profile you know once you get to tight ends that are older or, or younger um you, you don't really see it as much it's just in this kind of uh, at this point in his career, and then you look at all these circumstances around him uh, with the Jaguars offense, with the defense, with what they want to do, uh, with the, how many snaps he's playing, you know, running a route on about 80% of the dropbacks, which is uh, one of the highest route participation rates in the league for tight ends. Uh, he just checks all of the boxes uh, in, in for a guy that could put up, you know, a, a Kittle or Kelsey-like uh, season stat, uh, statistically. Erickson, give me your number eight player here. Going running back, Cole Herbert for the Chicago Bears, because every time he touches the ball, he's just really good. We saw it in the preseason. I like. I don't think it's like that. We need to be more specific. Like anytime he's been the feature running back over the last two years, so he's eight games with thirteen or more touches. He's averaged back end fantasy RB one numbers. So I understand like he's going outside the top thirty running backs. He's the starting running back for the Chicago Bears, and I know a lot of people like Roshan Johnson. I like Roshan Johnson coming out too, but Khalil Herbert has the starting job. So he has to lose the starting job to Roshan. And I'm just trying to figure out, okay, well, every time this guy touches the ball, he's ripping off like these massive touchdowns left and right. So unless he gets hurt, how is Roshan actually going to unseat him as the RB1 in this offense? And I'm willing to take on that risk of him losing that job when you can draft him outside the top 30 running back. So ascending Bears offense, Khalil Herbert is super efficient. He is the RB1 as it stands right now. So I'm all in on Khalil Herbert. I think he can be a league winner if he holds this job uh, for the majority of the season. Do you think that the ceiling is fully there? Like, obviously, I agree he's a very talented running back, but it's not just a crowded backfield. It's also the fact that Fields is going to run a lot. So there's just only so many carries to go around for an offense. So when you think league winner, you think ceiling, a guy that can like go in and dominate matchups and literally win you games. Do you think Herbert can do that, or is he just more of a value where he is? Well, I think that he's a little bit of both. Now, do I think he's going to be like a top three running back? Like, no, because I don't think he'll have the pass game work. But league winner is also considering where you drafted him versus finish. I'm saying that Khalil Herbert can be a fantasy RB1 and you draft him as an RB3. So like the gap that he is making up, I think that puts him in league winning territory, even if it's not him himself that's winning all your weeks for you. He's helping you along the way because you already have a stacked roster and you're starting Khalil Herbert as your RB1 or RB2 when you drafted him at a fraction of the cost. 
Everybody needs to get ready for the ultimate fantasy football showdown with the fourth annual Fantasy Pros Fantasy Fest. Join us live on our YouTube channel Wednesday, August 30th, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern or 12 p.m. Pacific for a fantasy football extravaganza like no other. We've got a star-studded lineup of familiar faces and the best fantasy experts from all around the industry coming together to bring you the latest and greatest insights to help you dominate your draft. We're talking player rankings, mock drafts, and a treasure trove of exclusive topics that you won't find anywhere else. But here's the best part. You can be a part of the action. Join the live conversation, ask your burning questions, and help us make the big calls. Can't make it live? No worries. You can catch all the excitement later on your own time. But trust us, you won't want to miss the live show. So mark your calendars and set those reminders because the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Fest is happening exclusively on our YouTube channel. Chris, let's go to your number seven league winner. Wide receiver Christian Watson of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, This is a a player who came on in a big way, pretty much broke out down the stretch last season, averaged 65 yards per game, uh, nearly a a touchdown per game over his final eight games. And he accounted for over 30% of Green Bay's passing yardage, 62% of Green Bay's touchdowns passing over that eight game stretch to end the season. So you know, regardless of what you think of Jordan Love, and I, I think he'll be decent, uh, you know, Christian Watson has ca- shown already that he's capable of being a target hog. He's shown that he's capable of creating opportunities and, and, and to, to score touchdowns when they're not there with his yard after catch ability. Uh, he was great in the red zone. He scored on five of his nine uh, red zone touches. A season ago, we, and we saw that going back to when he was at North Dakota State. You know, the quarterback play wasn't always there, but uh, he was always a guy that, you know, every time he seemed to get the ball, he was scoring touchdowns. And he is a player that fits what, uh, you know, generally profiles as a league winner. I looked for for wide receivers. I looked at top six wide receivers that weren't drafted, uh, you know, top six that, that you know, improved at least six spots uh, on their ADP uh, going into the season. And what you find is that over 90% of them are being drafted in the top 30 wide receivers. So a lot of times, you know, at this time of the year, we're talking about all these sweepers and, you know, guys we like a little later on in the draft, but when it comes to actual league winners and guys that are going to lead the league uh, in scoring and fantasy scoring, these guys are the guys you are taking in the first, you know, five, six, seven rounds. After that, your sleepers are more, you know, for your depth and things like that. So, you know, Watson fits the bill uh, in this sense. And um, you usually don't see rookies uh, as being league winners. Only 4% uh, have done so since 2014. Uh, Watson's now going into year two. We know wide receivers in year two tend to make their biggest jumps. So I just love everything about, Watson and this Green Bay defense probably still isn't going to be great. You know, Joe Barry just has not maximized the talent there. The last two years, they've been 20th or worse in DVOA, despite pretty talented units. So that just works even better uh, for Watson because that means Green Bay should have to pass a decent amount. I don't think they're going to go super run heavy just because Rodgers left. So uh, I just love Watson for his explosiveness and uh, everything he brings to the table. Yeah, you hit on all the the questions I was planning to ask you. So we'll, we'll just move on to the next player here, Erickson. Give me your number seven. I'm going to go with the tight end of my own, Darren Waller, 
just think that he's one of the cheapest elite tight ends that you can draft. He's going to project as the number one receiver on his team, which puts him into an elite tier of tight ends with Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and sometimes Dalton Schultz. So like what the fact that we already saw this also on display in the preseason game where Daniel Jones is basically dropping back to throw the ball to Darren Waller every single time. Got the first three targets in the game. He had a 44% target share. He was targeted on 50% of his routes. Darren Waller had to not be at practice one day because they wanted Daniel Jones to throw the ball to other players. Like Darren Waller, if he's healthy, like that's the big if, just his health. But if he's on the field, he's going to put up numbers and he's going to, I think, contest with guys like Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews to be the tight end one overall. Just a matter if he stays on the field. So his ADP is going up, which I'm not exactly thrilled about because people are finally starting to catch on. But if Waller's out there and healthy, man, he's going to be an easy league winner, especially when you can still draft him in round six. What, what is he ranked for you at the position? Is he third behind only Kelsey and Andrews? Yeah, I put him at tight end three the minute he got traded to the Giants. And uh, I feel good about it. I felt good about it then. I feel better about it now. Where, where, What round are you drafting him personally to make sure you get him? It's at the end of round five, round six. Like, that's really where I feel, like, most comfortable. I have seen some ADPs that have him up into round four. That, for me, is where it gets a little too rich when I am taking on too much of the risk because the injury stuff is real. Like, I'm not going to just ignore that. And especially if he is vacuuming up a lot of targets, that means he's going to take more hits on his body. So that doesn't necessarily mean, like, hey, Waller's going to be there for the long haul. He'll probably be productive in the games he plays, which is big. But you know, you're going to probably have to draft another tight end potentially just in case Waller can't sustain uh, the length of the season. Before we move on with the show, let's take a moment to talk about Sports Explains the World. When we think of sports stories, we tend to think of tales of epic on-the-field glory or incredible against-all-odds comeback stories. But the new podcast, Sports Explains the World, brings you some of the wildest and most surprising sports stories you've never heard. Take the teenager who wrote a Wikipedia page that got a young athlete signed to a million-dollar deal. Or a tennis pro who came out of retirement to fight off an invasion. What about the Ugandan national basketball coach who was really an undercover agent for the CIA? From award-winning journalists across the globe, Sports Explains the World goes beyond leagues and stats to share stories that will redefine your understanding of sports and their impact on the world. To hear these and other incredible stories from the wide world of sports, listen to Sports Explains the World on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Sports Explains the World ad-free on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus. Chris, let's move to your next player here, number six. George Pickens, the wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, still going outside the top 30 in a lot of drafts. I expect him to lead the Steelers in receiving this year he was pretty close as a rookie despite playing with in a very shaky pass offense which I think is going to be a lot better uh in year two with Kenny Pickett with another year under his belt but we've seen all the highlights in the preseason and the training camp and, and the crazy catches last year you know we know this guy has talent but what he's been doing this offseason is he's been working to expand his route tree so he came, you know, within a hundred yards less than that of, you know, beating out Deontay Johnson for the team lead in receiving yardage last season. Well, essentially just being a go route runner who did not get uh, targeted at a high rate uh, on a per route basis. And I think that, you know, not only just because of the expanded route, tree, but just in general, you usually see receivers going from their rookie year to their second year, make a big jump in 
how often they're getting open, how often they're getting targeted, because they just start to understand how to get open and how to beat NFL defensive backs. They understand the speed of the game. So I just think this dude is massively talented. He's going to he could he could go deep. He's he's going to be able to create uh, explosive plays where they weren't there. He's going to be able to catch balls that he has no business catching. He's going to be great in the red zone. So I think people are obvious and understandably going to be concerned about how Pickett is going to to do in the regular season. And is this offense going to be too run heavy again? But I think that regardless of what else is going on on this offense, Pickens is just too talented uh, to not be in this league winner conversation and all of the the league winners at wide receiver every single one of them that uh, I found going all the way back to 2014 uh, all of them were being drafted between wide receiver seven and wide receiver 38 so again I just want to remind people that it's it's not just these sleepers that you have to kind of worry about okay which which of these sleepers am I going to be drafting it's picking the right guys uh, out of you know your wide receiver twos and your wide receiver threes and your, your your kind of fringe flex wide receiver four type of players and I think pick uh, Pickens you know his ADP is moving up as it should be because uh, I expect him to lead Pittsburgh in receiving and uh, I think he could even put a top ten wide receiver season out there based on his talent. Yeah, ten is is pretty aggressive. Do you think just very quickly that Kenny Pickett needs to take a big step forward for Pickens to get into that like top 10 level receiver. I actually don't think Pickett needs to take a big step forward. I just think that and maybe I guess by relation he does, because I think he just has to convince uh, Tomlin Canada that he's taken enough of a step forward to where they don't want to just be this 30, 35 rush attempt team every week. That to where they're comfortable, you know, having 35 dropbacks in the game plan on a week to week basis. Uh, and I think, you know, based on what we've seen quarterbacks going from year one to year two, we tend to see the volume increase as the coaches get more comfortable with them and the, and the quarterback gets more comfortable. So I'm not too worried about it. I, I think you got to bet on talent here. He fits the bill, uh, year, wide receiver in year two. And, you know, you have kind of what you're alluding to. There's a lot of up, unrealized upside for Pickett too and that's you know not being fully priced in so uh, I think Pickens is, is a steal here whereas a lot of these other wide receivers going in our so, you know going in that range it's like how much are they really going to beat their ADP by even if they do you know like you have Evans and Godwin with Baker Mayfield you have uh, Michael Pittman in what probably is going to be a much lower volume offense just some guys that uh, if they beat their ADP I just don't think it's with the same uh, amount of uh you know the to the degree that gusto. I think Pickett can do yeah to the degree that the gusto that I think Pickett can do <laughs> I knew so. that was the word you wanted yeah, I, was, I was like <laughs> it's, it's there <laughs> I don't know I don't know words I, I only know of stats like I can't I mean, it's that time of year man I don't know any vocabulary uh, oh yeah everybody's brain is fried <laughs> exactly Erickson. um so my number six guy wide receiver DK Metcalf um look I, I think that Metcalf Given Tyler Lockett entering his age 31 season, we have Jackson Smith and Jigba also now slated to potentially miss some time to open the year. I think that Metcalf, people keep pointing to how Metcalf is like not as good as, as Lockett. Lockett always outscores Metcalf, yada, yada, yada. But it's like we have to project them forward. Metcalf is 26 years old 
in his Uber Prime, and he's still seen better opportunities than Tyler Lockett in this Seahawks offense. Over the last two seasons, DK Metcalf is sixth overall in target share at 27%. He's also missed zero games during his four-year career. We don't talk about availability enough, I think, with fantasy, because it's always like points per game this, points per game that. But it's like Metcalf is always playing. So that's why sometimes his points per game don't necessarily look as good as some of these other players because he's always on the field. Like, he doesn't miss games. So I'm also seeing a very high floor with Metcalf. Last year, he led all wide receivers in end zone targets, but he just ran bad in, in terms of touchdown production. It was actually Lockett that saw significantly less end zone targets that just converted at a higher rate. So I'm just not betting on that happening two years in a row. I think this is the year where Metcalf actually cashes in on all those end zone targets he got last year. And I think that he has crazy high ceiling like are we going to be surprised when Metcalf's like oh yeah he was a top five fantasy wide receiver because he caught 15 touchdowns like I'm not like he's a super talented guy and he just really hasn't had that season where he's all kind of put it all together I think this could be the year where he does that so I think DK Metcalf in round three I think that he has a crazy high ceiling that I I think we haven't seen the best honestly of DK Metcalf I was gonna say uh, real quick he he's been targeted uh last year which i think is the key because that's when you know geno smith takes over and they and everything targeted on 24 percent of his routes compared to 20 and a half percent for tyler lockett which is a significant difference and i don't think lockett i don't think it has to be one or the other you know in this offense i just but you know metcalf to your point uh he's been the guy that's been getting open and getting those targets uh even more even even if he hasn't kind of had the production to match it uh at times it is time to look to the future with our Here's to What's Next segment presented by Miller Lite. We're using this segment to look ahead and celebrate the future stars of fantasy football by talking about our favorite sleepers. Today, I want to ask about a guy who might not only be a future star, but a current one too, and that's Jahan Dotson. He's wide receiver 35 and ranked 79th overall in our consensus half PPR rankings. Erickson, I will start with you. How excited are you about Dotson as a sleeper in his second season? I love Jahan Dotson. I think that he's a super high ceiling. He showed it as a rookie, flashed big-time potential, scoring touchdowns left and right, 10th in yards per route run overall in his last five games, basically matching Terry McLaurin in terms of production. My take, I think that Jahan Dotson outscores Terry McLaurin straight up in 2023. Chris, what do you think? Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you know, four, 4.2 catches, 69 yards per game, 0.6 touchdowns over his last five. Uh, he was great in the red zone, five touchdowns on seven targets. He was great on 50-50 balls. 60, uh, 61% of his contested uh, targets were caught. And he was 17th in, uh, in, in catch rate on uncontested catches and Deep balls, he was great as well. He was uh, one of the top receivers in the league going downfield. So all the things that uh, score fantasy points, John Dotson's great at. So I, I too think he has a, a very good shot of outscoring Scary Terry. So it, it is unanimous. We all love Jahan Dotson. With a Miller Lite in your hand, summer doesn't just taste great. It tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. That's MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, it's Creighton, you don't watch Creighton, 
they play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Chris, let's go to your number five. Let's get a little post-hype Debo Samuel here. He let everyone down last year after finishing as the wide receiver two in 2021. Uh, the numbers just weren't there last year. He only played in 13 games and uh, it just was nowhere near the same. But we know Debo, what happens? He has a great year. Then he kind of relaxes a little bit and his conditioning goes away a little bit and he, he comes in fatter and then, you know, he has a down year and then he gets motivated again. And that's what we've seen this year, but it's not about the narrative. It's about the fact that you know he was hurt uh, for a good part of last year. He played 13 games, missed four, but he was kind of banged up in, in some of the other games. This year, uh, I think he's coming in uh, mostly healthy. I think you still have all of the same kind of structure in place, uh, perhaps with even a, a better you know offensive situation overall because you know, just the way Purdy can kind of move around and do some things and the way he's just able to distribute the ball. Uh, I think people are kind of just looking back at last season's numbers saying, okay, well, it was Kittle that saw the big boost uh, with Purdy uh, or it was Ayuk. And people are just kind of forgetting that Debo Samuel uh, posted a top two season at wide receiver. And when one of the things when you're looking for league winners, uh, if you can find a guy who's actually been a league winner, uh, and is still 27, which is squarely in his prime. 
uh, for the wide receiver position, I, I think you got to take it. His rushing attempts uh, are still going to be there. You know, even with McCaffrey here, this team is still going to be a team that because they're so efficient on offense, because their defense is so good, they're going to have a lot of plays and he's going to be able to, to carry the ball. Some he's still, he was at 3.7 at that year. He uh, was the number two wide receiver in 2021 and 3.2 carries per game last year. So not a massive difference uh, in terms of the usage. Uh, I, it was just, it was just, you know, one of those things where he, you know, was a little banged up, didn't have as many big plays, but all of the capability still exists for Debo Samuel. So I'm buying the dip. We faded him last year, buying the dip again, because I still think he has that top five upside. Uh, and I think people are, you just, people aren't talking about him the way I think uh, they should be. And quickly, Erickson, I know you really like Debo as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's kind of being treated unfairly by the market because of, you know, just a kind of a down year when he's one year removed from a 1,400-yard season. Like, people are willing to draft Calvin Ridley over Debo because he had a 1,400-yard season like two or three years ago, <laughs> but Debo did it just like one year removed. So I think with Samuel, especially when Brock Purdy's been the quarterback, Debo's been the number one guy. Like, that's who Brock Purdy has targeted the most, not even the preseason game. First three targets... Debo, Debo, Debo. Like, it's really, for me, it's just a matter of, is he healthy or not? Because of the way he plays super aggressively, he's basically a running back and a wide receiver. He plays a running back style as a wide receiver, one of the best yards after the catch guys in the NFL. So that's the only concern I really have for Debo. But, like, wide receiver 18 price tags? Like, yeah, like, I, I think that Debo's a, a good pick there. Erickson, we'll stick with you for your next pick. Yeah, I'm going to the quarterback position with my number five league winner. I've talked about him a lot. It's Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm just looking at a quarterback that can finish top five. That's not being drafted as a top five quarterback. I really think that he's one of the rare players going so late in drafts that can be a top five fantasy quarterback. Look, last year he was awful, but you know what he was doing? Rushing the ball, like rushing quarterbacks are coming at such a premium, but Deshaun Watson averaged 30 rushing yards per game last year. He's rushing the ball in the preseason. And I just think that his, price point where you get him in round eight or round nine he's giving you access to his, if he hits his ceiling like he's going to be a top five fantasy quarterback because every season he's played at least 16 games that's exactly what he has been so i think that he's just being underrated because of the rushing he offers which gives him a super high floor and people are so fixated on oh his passing was so bad last year it's like yeah well he played off so much time off from football he was playing in like the worst weather games you could possibly ask for and it was all new pieces. Like he just had to be plopped back into the lineup. Now he has better weapons across the board. And I don't think Kevin Stefanski gets like enough credit as like a guy who helped like Baker Mayfield, like have a legitimate season after a really bad year. So why can't he do that with Sean Watson, who has shown an elite ceiling at the NFL level the last time he played a full season. So for me, Deshaun Watson, I think is one of my favorite late round quarterbacks because of his upside that he can offer. Do the preseason reports of him being inaccurate bother you at all? No, because if you look at more of the reports, they also say that he has really never played with the full arsenal of weapons. Like Amari Cooper has missed time. Elijah Moore has missed time. So that's when you get to these reports where it's one headline, you grab it, you're like, oh, he's been bad at camp. But then you read into it, it's like, yeah, but Elijah Moore's not out there. And neither is Cooper. And it's only David and Joku. So yeah, of course they're going to be struggling in training camp if he doesn't have all of his toys to work with. So I think that that's all noise, to be totally honest. And I think that you benefit more from fading training camp noise a little bit than just buying into it like what's your advantage if everyone is fading Deshaun Watson because of the training camp if he busts okay I drafted him in round nine but if he hits league winner 
Guys, anyone who knows me or listens to this show knows how much I love going to see sports in person. The NFL is right around the corner, just a couple short weeks away, and I'm really excited to check out Empower Field at Mile High Stadium now that I'm a Denver resident, and I'm going to get to a Broncos game with the help of GameTime, the fastest-growing ticketing app in the United States. For last-minute amazing deals on tickets to see your favorite baseball team, band, or comedian, download GameTime. And again, it's not just sports. Summer means huge concerts and comedy shows all across the country and game time has your tickets download the game time app and redeem code fantasy pros for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again download the game time app and enter code fantasy pros for twenty dollars off no matter where you live get out and have some fun this week download game time today and enter code fantasy pros last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed chris let's get to your number four uh erickson kind of just mentioned him and it's calvin ridley uh, I think he's another player when uh, I look at the situation that he's coming into here in Jacksonville, not only is he possessing possessive of the talent that, you know, as we talked about, has led to uh, a top five season in the past, but uh, there's some untapped potential here with uh, another big leap from Trevor Lawrence in this offense. Because again, you know, year two under Doug Peterson, He's stated that he wants to increase the production by a touchdown per game, that they want to go faster. We've They, they have a good mix of an easy schedule, but a shaky defense. So it should, they should be playing in, in a lot of kind of shootouts that they should have success in, I think. And I look at Ridley and, you know, he's a guy, again, I think we're just kind of not really talking about him enough because – you know, you got Christian Kirk there and a lot a lot of people like Ingram. And then you got the, the running back situation and everyone's kind of falling in love with Tank Bigsby and ETN was really good last year. So I still think Ridley's getting a little bit overlooked. And uh, I think that he can get right back to that, that form that we saw uh, in that 2020 season in Atlanta. He's always been a touchdown maker. And when you look at a guy like Carson Wentz, you know, his first year under Peterson, uh, he was very bad. And, you know, Lawrence, he his production doubled in his first year under Peterson. His touchdown rate uh, went from 2% to 4.3%. His interceptions cut in half, uh, added about 30-ish, about th- just under 30 yards per game passing. You know, his passer rating jumped over 20 points. Completion rate went up over almost seven points. I think you could see another jump like that uh, this year because this is really Lawrence's second year in the league I think he's going to pass the ball a lot I think uh he he could be one of the league leaders in uh pass attempts pass yards and you know uh, Carson Wentz went from one touchdown per game in his first year with Peterson to two and a half touchdowns per game and was an MVP candidate led the league in touchdown rate uh in 13 games before getting injured in his second year under Peterson so I think you could see another jump like that from Lawrence in this offense. And we saw Christian Kirk, you know, a guy who was kind of always a complimentary piece who we were like, Oh, why do they give all this money to Christian Kirk? And then he goes there become, you know, as the number one receiver first year with a new team, new scheme, new quarterback still puts up uh, over 1100 yards. I think Ridley is even more talented and is going to take that role in an offense that is going to be even better. So Calvin Ridley league winner for me. Yeah, I'm in full agreement here. Erickson, I know you're down, at least relative to other fantasy pros, analysts on Ridley. What is it that you're not getting there on him with? 
Um, just price, really. Like when he was available in round four, I was taking him every single time, but I've seen him go as early as the end of round two. And, and for me, that's just a lot of risk for a guy that we haven't seen play in a really long time. And even when he was playing on the Falcons, demanding a high target share, it was Kyle Pitts that he was competing with for targets, a rookie. And when he had that breakout year with the Falcons, Julio Jones played like half the games. Like I would, I would argue just Calvin Ridley's never had as much target competition that he's had in Jacksonville that he ever had at any point in Atlanta. So that's my only concerns. I still like him when he's in round four, the end of round three, but when he goes into the back end of round two, there's other players I prefer. I think they have safer floors. Erickson, your next pick is the running back. Everybody has been touting as a league winner all summer long. Well, everybody's right because it's Tony Collard <laughs> <laughs> for the Dallas Cowboys. Look, when he was playing over 53% of the snaps as the featured back last year from week seven through 16, he was averaging almost 20 penny points per game first overall in terms of points per, per game over that span. Like Ezekiel Elliott is gone. Like we've wanted this for so long. Free Tony Pollard, free Tony Pollard. And we're finally getting it. And we're like, yeah, but like Deuce Vaughn is going to like take away his touches. And, and Rico, like guys, like just be happy. Just draft Tony Pollard around two. Like, just be happy that you can get this guy who, again, is on a franchise tag deal. This is not a long-term contract. Why would Dallas need to, okay, we got to monitor his reps over the season. It's like, this guy may not even be on the Cowboys next year. So I could see Jerry Jones being in a DeMarco Murray situation where, turn and burn, baby. Like, let's run Tony Pollard because we know we can do it until the wheels fall off. So I think that he is just such a great pick in round two. I know we talked about it with Graham Barfield last week. And I'm on board. And I think that Tony Pollard, I mean, he was a league winner last year. And again, going back to league winners, sometimes repeat when their prices don't necessarily reflect their potential and upside. And I think Pollard has round one upside and he's just not reflected in his ADP. Yeah, Chris, is Pollard a smash for you in round two? Yeah, I mean, he's. I'm already drafting him like he is going to win me the league. Like, I don't even, like, he didn't even occur to me that he would be a league winner because he's just, I'm, I have him like RB7. Like, where, like, you know, he can only go up so much from there. But no, I agree. He's, he's an amazing talent. And da- the fact that Dallas felt comfortable, you know, going away from Zeke and bringing in, and, and now they have a guy behind him on the depth chart that's five foot five. He's shorter, he's smaller than me. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge guy and he's shorter than me. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what we're working with here with Pollard. And by the way, this Dallas offense, it has always been very good in terms of scoring the ball and, and giving its running backs opportunities. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's really nothing not to like with Tony Pollard. Yeah. You, you've got him RB seven. Debro has him RB one. So he is even more excited oh, than the two of you. <laughs> Before we get to the rest of the show, I want to take a quick second to talk to everyone about Fantrax. Guys, if you want customization in your fantasy platform, look no further than Fantrax, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Their free NFL Fantasy Football League Manager is the most customizable, easy-to-use, feature-rich platform in the industry. They can easily import any current leagues you have on other platforms and begin customizing your settings immediately personally i use fan tracks for my college football fantasy league my dynasty baseball fantasy league and of course my longtime dynasty nfl league made the switch as well whether it's Devi leagues idp leagues decimal scoring tight end premium unique matchup settings like weekly double headers there's a reason why fantasy players who try fan tracks make it the permanent home for 
for all their fantasy leagues because they have it all. So switch your leagues today by heading to Fantrax.com slash Fantasy Pros. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash Fantasy Pros. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Uh, let's get to our top three guys here from each of you. Chris, we'll start with you. Who's your number three? So this might catch some people a little bit off guard, uh, but Justin Herbert. You know, it's the in the day and age where everyone's fallen in love with these scrambling quarterbacks, and rightfully so. I've been talking about them for years, and, you know, last year, Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts was essentially my draft plan at quarterback, but I just think that I have to make an exception for Justin Herbert because I can see him putting up a just bonkers, ridiculous passing season because when they moved on from Lombardi at at offensive coordinator and they went out and hired Kellen Moore Staley came out and said what happened last year with with Herbert was unacceptable we want to throw the ball down the field we want to be aggressive we want to bombs away then they go out when they already have three pretty good wide receivers and what do they do they go select a wide receiver in the first round of the draft and Quentin Johnson. So now you're looking at an offense that can go four wide, which is always great. Uh, It has one of the best pass catching running backs in the game. It has two solid pass catching tight ends and Everett and and Donald Parham Uh, should have decent protection. If if guys are healthy, which they weren't last year and Herbert's going to be healthy. Remember he, he sustained that, that rib injury and was still throwing dimes still throwing dots in that game, still suited up the next week. But I think Herbert leads the league in passing yardage this year. And by the way, the Chargers have played fast every year with, you know, since they drafted Herbert, but not as fast as the Cowboys have played under Kellen Moore. The Cowboys have been top two in pace in all four of Kellen Moore's seasons. This offense is going to be even faster paced. It's, it's even more stacked. And it's going to be much more aggressive. And Justin Herbert was already uh, a quarterback who, in his first three years in the league, averaged 288 passing yards per game. He's a quarterback who, in his first three years in the league, threw 94 touchdowns per season. That's over 30, uh, 94 touchdowns in his uh, overall. That's over 30 per season. This is a guy who has never uh, averaged fewer than 39 pass attempts per game in any of his three NFL seasons. And I think he's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be get even more aggressive this year. So, you know, it's not, there's not going to be another year of 6.8 yards per attempt. I can tell you that. Um, so I'm loving Justin Herbert. I think got people are kind of sleeping on him as a guy who could, you know, put up like everyone's kind of looking at Lamar rightfully so. And fields who I'll talk about, but I'm not sleeping on Herbert uh, to have a, uh, the overall QB one finish. Yeah, we've got a couple other quarterbacks coming up in this conversation, but I can tell you just from having done shows with Erickson all summer, he and I are in lockstep with you on Herbert. I think Herbert, he's QB7 right now. I think I'm going to rot, like outside of uh, a guy we're going to talk about later, I will probably roster Herbert in more leagues than any other quarterback because he is the guy going lowest that I think has the highest ceiling that could be one of those tier one guys. I love Herbert at cost this year. Uh, Erickson. The next guy we're talking about, I know you would love to talk about. 
Yeah, it's uh, Travis Etienne for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Chris did a great job of kind of breaking down, waxing poetic about this Jaguars offense and how it can really take a step forward another year with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. And that's why I love Etienne and the fact that he's in this great offensive environment and the fact that he was so good last year. And people are just so fixated on, well, he didn't catch enough passes. He didn't get score enough touchdowns. But the guy had over 1,400 yards from scrimmage. He posted over 1,100 rushing yards, averaged five yards per carry at age 23. Other guys to do that at age 23 or younger, Saquon Barkley, Ray Rice, Frank Gore, Darren McFadden, Jonathan Taylor, Clinton Portis, and Barry Sanders. Like, we're getting an elite, explosive running back on a top five potential offense that you can draft in round four because of a guy named Tank Bigsby. I, I just don't understand. Like, I, I will push all my chips in betting against a third-round rookie running back that has to take a snap in the NFL so that I can get access to Travis Etienne who's played not just one NFL season with Trevor Lawrence, multiple college football seasons with Trevor Lawrence, where he scored 70 touchdowns at Clemson. Like, this guy is going to be a touchdown monster because you don't have to score from the goal line. You, you guys, you're allowed to score from outside the 10-yard line. So even if Tank Bigsby has some, you know, intricate red zone role, that doesn't stop ETN from still being the lead back on a high-powered offense seeing 60% of the snaps. So I just think that ETN... We're going to look up next year and be like, ETN's a second round pick. Like, and for that to happen, I think that he's going to have a monster season. And look, I I get that a lot of people don't like ETN, but with some of these league winners, it's not going to be a consensus take. The best league winner last year was Josh Jacobs and everybody hated (sighs) him. Yes. Like, so for me, you got to find someone that's a little bit polarizing. You see the flaws, but you got to go all in. And for me, it's Travis ETN. And Jacobs was going in the same range that ETN is in the you know stereotypical RB dead zone. Very very quickly, Erickson, do you actually dislike Bigsby or is it just the profile of a third round rookie that you don't like? I, I did not like Tank Bigsby profile coming in. Like I be I'll be frank, if they had drafted Zach Charbonnet in the second round, I wouldn't feel this strongly about ETN. Like it is a player take. I, I just don't think Tank Bigsby is as good as everybody thinks he is. I, I just don't. So for me, that's why, and it's why I don't have Ken Walker here. If Tank Bigsby had gone to Seattle, I would be much higher on Ken Walker in the fact that he was a third round pick versus a second round pick. So it's just the things I look at. And again, I just see no advantage of like betting on a third round rookie to just supplant a guy who had a Jonathan Taylor-esque season as in his first year in the pros. So in the last thing I'll bring up here, so the Jags current offensive coordinator is Press Taylor, right? Press Taylor was the Colts office assistant in 2021 when Jonathan Taylor went absolutely nuclear. Like, and it was the same thing with JT. He's like, oh, they're going to use Naeem Hines in the passing game. It's like, guys, the Jaguars want to win the Super Bowl and they're going to want to use their best players. And Travis Etienne is their best running back. So I think he's going to touch the ball plenty enough to pay off with a super explosive skill set. I think that we haven't even seen the best of him. And let me just say this real quick because... I, I just want to like remind everyone that you don't have to, it doesn't have to be an either or this Jaguar offense in the first year under Peterson, it scored nine more points per game than it did the year before. Now he only wants to score seven more, but it's possible. You know why? Because Trevor Lawrence is very good because Travis Etienne is very good because Calvin Ridley is very good because Christian Kirk is very good because Evan Ingram is very good because Zay Jones is a value as well. I'm and tank Bigsby draft all of them. Like it doesn't have to be an either or with this offense because there's so much unrealized 
upside here with this Jag offense who, you know, it, it's still, they still scored under 24 points a game last year. Like, there's still a lot of room for growth and there's definitely the talent to get it done. So I don't, I just don't want people to think like, oh, I have to be like super down on Tank Bigsby because honestly, Tank Bigsby is a value too. He was great in the preseason. And, you know, if ETN goes down, Tank Bigsby is going to, you know, be able to put up similar production or get the opportunity to at least. So uh, I, I, I'm just investing in this Jags uh, skill position group because I just think they're undervalued across the board. And, and, and a number of these guys at, at different positions have a chance to either crush their ADP or be straight up league winners. Before we get to our last couple of league winners, do you want to know how to unlock the power of Fantasy Pros Premium for free? If you're a new depositor to Sleeper, just download the Sleeper mobile app, click on the wallet icon, enter promo code FPSUB, and deposit $20 to get a free one-month subscription. Making picks in the app with your deposit gets you 11 additional months of premium for free. This is the easiest and best way to gain instant access to over $100 worth of expert advice, advanced tools, and exclusive analysis to learn more about this offer and to see if you're eligible head to fantasypros.com slash sleeper again that's fantasypros.com slash sleeper to get the fantasy advantage you deserve two players left from each of you chris who's your number two justin fields baby uh you know it's uh, at this point it's kind of become a cliche but uh, he does have the opportunity to take another step forward now that they fleeced the carolina panthers to trade what was supposed to be their franchise quarterback number one receiver for years to come to them in exchange for a package for their franchise quarterback. So now you got DJ Moore here. Uh, you also got Mooney back healthy. Co-commit broke out as a red zone, as a legit red zone threat last year. Finally played up to his talent level. The offensive line, uh, everybody except, you know, the rookie at right tackle had a had a above average to to great uh, PFF grade last year, so it's not going to just be a terrible offensive line. Uh, the way I, it's been in years past, I don't think I really don't see many like flat out holes on the offense the way I did uh, a year ago, and that's going to help Justin Fields with his major issue, which is taking sacks. You know, he was his sack rate was just sky high last year, but you're going to have guys. You know, Claypool should be more acclimated as well. You're going to have guys that are going to get open more. More is going to be a big part of that. They're going to be able to separate and get open uh, more. That's going to allow Fields to get the ball out sooner and not take as many sacks. That's going to keep drives alive. And Fields led the NFL in yards per carry at 7.1. Played the same amount of games as Jalen Hurts. Ran for uh, nearly 400 more yards. And, uh, you know, we've seen it with Hurts. We've seen the completion percentage jump. Uh, a, a bunch we've seen the uh, yards per attempt jump up a bunch and I, I think you're gonna and same thing with Josh Allen I think you're gonna see the same thing with Fields who by the way he was sixth in passing touchdown rate last year his yard per attempt uh, was a, just slightly above the league average uh, and, and jumped a, a little bit and his QBR doubled from his rookie year so he already took some subtle steps forward that maybe people didn't realize in the passing game, it was just the sacks and the fact that, you know, because of the sacks and, you know, because it was year one in another new system, uh, they just didn't open up the offense. They didn't really let him drop back a lot. So this year, I think you're going to start to see, uh, you know, his drop back rate normalize a bit more as he's going to be more comfortable in year two. The line will be better. The receivers will be better. Uh, he's going to take that jump. And I mean, the upside is it's, it's right. Like we could be talking about fields in the same breath as Hertz or Lamar Jackson 
next year. And that might sound crazy to some people, but remember Lamar Jackson the year before he his MVP season, he barely looked like he could throw a football that year. Uh, remember Jalen Hurts? He, you know, they, you know, they were they were hiding him at times. Like he just didn't look like he could read defenses. And then boom, it's like a either an MVP year or challenging for one. Uh, Josh Allen, same thing. You know, just everyone thought he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, and then he gets some decent receivers, and oh, 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 look, he can he can play at a, at a top five level. So uh, I'm all in on Justin Fields. Yeah, so you you obviously picked Herbert and Fields in this show. You've also talked a lot about how much you love the Jaguars' offense. Those guys, three guys, Fields, Herbert, and Lawrence, are back-to-back-to-back at the end of Tier 2 in our consensus rankings. Is that the order you would have them, Fields, then Herbert, then Lawrence? I actually have Herbert ahead of Fields for the simple fact that when I'm, I, you know, to, to generate my rankings, I'm doing actual raw projections for, for everybody. So I have Herbert projected... Uh, to play more games like he has less injury risk just because fields does is still expected to run a ton and you know you see that with, we've seen that with Lamar we've seen Hertz miss some games Daniel Jones in the past so that's the only reason I, I would go Hertz I mean I would go Herbert over fields just from from the perspective of, I think he's a better bet to give you 17 games or I guess 16 games of league winning upside than fields but um, beyond that they're pretty much neck and neck in like the per game my per game projections of Herbert yeah. and Fields. And then, yeah, Lawrence is a little bit down uh, from them, but, you know, the upside, we, we're looking for upside, right? You know, and that's, you know, that's what uh, that's what Lawrence has as well. So he has the upside to, to match Herbert um, and, and Fields, just a little bit lower than, than them for, for now. Yeah. <laughs> uh erickson uh we will go very quickly through your next player because there's a lot of unknowns with him right now it's jerry judy to pull back the curtain a bit judy was carted off the field with a hamstring injury earlier today on the day we're recording this show um it's not yet clear as of right now unless something has popped up in the last 50 minutes of us recording but unless there's been any breaking news since then it is not yet known we're awaiting an mri to really see the full picture but erickson you can still talk about why you like judy or maybe somebody else in this passing offense yeah i still you know again uh, hoping that judy is okay with his hamstring injury but i mean if he's going to be playing out there i think that he has a lot of upside you know look at the final five weeks when he was playing a full allotment of snaps when he came back from a different injury he was wide receiver three overall in points per game Wide receiver four overall in terms of full PPR. It was half PPR wide receiver three. Last four games played with Russ. He was averaging 18.2 PPR points per game. That was better than CeeDee Lamb. And then 15.25 half PPR points per game, which was the same as Jamar Chase. So, look, we've seen Judy's flash a really high ceiling when he's been healthy. Um, that's been an issue with him. So, again, if he's going to miss the start of the season with this injury, I wouldn't necessarily shy away from him if he's going to come at a further discount because he will be a player that will fall in drafts, obviously. But right now, you can't really draft him with a lot of confidence just based on the ambiguity of the injury. But if for some reason, if Judy misses a, a more extended period of time, I honestly, I know people are going to think, oh, Erickson, it's time. Like, you got to get back on Colton Sutton. And for me, it wouldn't be Sutton, actually. It would be Marvin Mims. And this is going back to me trusting my process when it comes to rookies and scouting. Like, I, I loved Marvin Mims coming out of Oklahoma. He was a mega producer at an early age, broke out at 18 years old. He can win downfield and after the catch. He's super young still. He just turned 21. He was the first overall pick in the Sean Payton era in Denver. The other guys that Sean Payton has traded up for in the draft include Mark Ingram, Brandon Cooks, Alvin Kamara. Maybe you've heard of those guys. Uh, they turned out pretty good. So for me, if Sutton is going to become this really steamed up player, 
I probably won't be drafting much of him, and it will be Marvin Mims, a really talented rookie that I think that they have really high hopes for in Denver as someone that I could easily see being a league winner. I know I released an article early on in the offseason kind of trying to guess, like, who could be this year's Garrett Wilson, right? A player that's being drafted outside the top 45 overall wide receivers, a rookie in particular. And it's crazy to think that Garrett Wilson fell that far in drafts, but he did because of the Zach Wilson effect and the fact that we liked Elijah Moore. I'm not falling for that again. Like, I'm not falling for, you know, going after a player I liked previously because of a rookie that I'm maybe is more, I'm not sure about. I loved Garrett Wilson last year, and I loved Marvin Mims. So I'm going to be all in on Marvin Mims, and I'll let others draft Cortland Sutton more aggressively. We're up against it on time, so we will go quickly here with our final players from each guy. Chris, who you got? Alexander Madison. Uh, I have him as a top uh, top 12 running back. I think I have him RB10, actually. And... I just think the market is way up. I think the concerns are unfounded with him. Everything the Vikings have done all offseason have te- has telegraphed that they want to use him as the feature back. They uh, get, made Madison uh, a top 20 running back in terms of guaranteed money. They released Dalvin Cook. They don't bring in a veteran. Uh, they don't play Madison a single snap in the preseason along with the rest of the first team offense. And every beat writer uh, for the Vikings is saying, hey, like the Vikings love him and they plan to use him. Uh, and then when you look back at, at league winners, running backs over the last eight seasons who uh, have been top six running backs and have beat their ADP by at least six spots, you see those backs are generally in the uh, you know age range of twenty eight uh, under twenty eight, and Madison's going to be in his age twenty five season, and you see uh, running backs who are you know, generally in the top 30 range, about 80% of them are in the top 30, which makes sense, you know, to get a top six running back season, it's probably not going to be, it's going to take a lot of luck to get be outside of that range. But uh, I think Madison just checks all of those boxes. And, you know, people are concerned about like, oh, is he not that good? Is he going to hold the job? They literally have Ty Chandler uh, and Kenny Wangu and Dwayne McBride behind him. That is, th- those are essentially, those guys are not going to challenge him for the job at all. And by the way, according to PFF last season, Madison was, uh, he broke 23 tackles on rush attempts. Uh, That was 33rd in the league, but he was 56th in carries. So it's not as if this is like some guy who just can't get it done. It's really what happened was the offensive line was not very good, was 23rd in adjusted line yards, dead last in stuff rate, dead last in power success rate. Well, what did they do this offseason? They extend fullback CJ Ham and they sign uh, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league to a big contract in Josh Oliver. They want to play with more heavy personnel this year uh, and that should lead to a lot more efficiency for the run game. So I think Alexander Madison is going to be this year's Josh Jacobs. A, a, one of the few guys that can play is going to play on every down and everyone's kind of off of him because of whatever, some unfounded concerns uh, in the, in the off season leading up to the, to the draft that kind of depresses ADP. So uh, love Madison this year. Yeah. Erickson, I know we said we were going to move really quickly, but I can't ignore the gap here. Chris said he might have Madison as high as RB10. You have him RB31. So that is a huge disparity. Very quickly, Erickson, what do you disagree with on Alexander well, Madison? Well, I mean, Raybon brought up the points about, you know, the people that don't like him. And th- those are the reasons why. Like, I just don't believe in Madison as the talent. I don't believe in him. This coaching staff has never given him the bell cow role. And I have what coaching about staff? Madison. It was, it was there for one 
second year. This is this is a yeah, second year. The, the, they the they literally released year. the guy that they played on seventy two percent of the snaps and didn't hire anyone and didn't like sign anyone else. Madison, yeah, but why didn't he play more last year? Dalvin because Cook was you had Dalvin Cook. No, Dalvin, yeah, and he I was think, horrible. I don't think Dalvin Cook was horrible. I think I, I think yes, he was. I think the offensive line and the 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 environment for running the football was poor. Because remember, this was a one one personnel team. Uh, and they, they end up like TJ Hawkinson is not a great run blocker. Irv Smith's not a great run blocker. Like that was their offense. It was receiving base this year. They literally uh, are, have said, we want to be uh, a more, a better team with the run. We want to play with, play with more heavier personnel and all, and they're, um, you know, the, the moves they made contract wise back it up. I mean, for all the cap saving moves that they made, they extend a fullback and they sign a blocking tight end to a big deal with a lot of guaranteed money. Like, the writing's on the wall, in my opinion. So, so why why is Cream Hunt visiting the team then? Because they yeah. need. Would, would, they, Kareem, they need, would Cream Hunt they scare have, you? Because they, absolutely would, not. Would Cream Hunt scare you? Absolutely it not. Scare you at all? Kareem, first of all, what about Fournette? He's a Kareem. Fournette? Kareem Hunt. He wouldn't scare you. No, because Kareem, scare you. No, Kareem. Kareem Hunt is, didn't even get his job back in Cleveland. They had they going into the season with Jerome Ford behind Nick Chubb and now Ford is hurt so who knows but he couldn't even get that job back because he just wasn't good they Hunt was brought in because they have Ty Chandler as the number one back after Madison like Madison could play even more than Cook did last year like like, it it just doesn't make sense to me wait all right well when on this point because we obviously disagree on the situation (laughs) like that's fine agree to disagree but like final point do you think Alexander Madison is good yes okay Fair enough. I don't. So that's where we also disagree. Yeah. So there you go. That's why it's RB10 versus well, RB31. One player that there better not be any disagreement <laughs> on whether or not he's good is the final guy we're talking about, Erickson. Thank you very much for picking my guy, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, because Lamar Jackson is just going to break fantasy football like he did in 2019. Uh, look, last year when Rashad Bateman was healthy, so basically when he had like one fully functioning wide receiver, he was averaging 27 fantasy points per game. That would have ranked first among all quarterbacks over the past three seasons basically it was the best quarterback performance we saw on a per game basis since oh this guy in 2019 when he won mvp oh lamar jackson when he was breaking fantasy football so the fact that now they have three actual wide receivers in the offense between beckham rashad bateman zay flowers they've invested so much in this personnel that even if a guy goes down they still have more than they ever had at any point last year so lamar jackson has shown a ceiling that has literally been unmatched scored more fantasy points per game than any other fantasy quarterback ever. And the fact that he's not the first quarterback off the board, I get there's more risk involved with him as the injury, but no one's going to be surprised if Lamar Jackson outscores every other single quarterback based on his dual skill set with all the new weapons. If this offense does take flight with Todd Munkin at the helm, I just love Lamar Jackson. When he falls into round four, I draft him every single time. Yeah, I mean, he's QB four off the board. He's not even in tier one in our tiers in the extra rankings. Uh, he has not only the best receiving core of his career, I mean, also guys like Aguilar provide better depth than they've ever had there if a guy does go down. Uh, Isaiah Likely, too, is a second-year receiving tight end threat. Uh, but I think this is the best offensive line since that 2019 season that they've had. Also the most diverse play caller. I mean, there's just so many things to like for a guy that has already shown he could play at an elite level, even with two hands tied behind his back, essentially. So I... Love Lamar. He's the court outside of 
you know, I said Herbert earlier. Lamar is the guy I'm going to roster in the most leagues. As soon as those top three QBs go off the board, I'm taking Lamar every single time. We will wrap it up there. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I know it was a longer episode, but we got through a ton of league winners for you. Uh, don't forget to check out the opportunities I mentioned with Game Time and Sleeper. Watch Fantasy Fest. That's next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Go drink a Miller Lite while you're watching. It's a really fun time of year. Enjoy your drafts. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. For Chris and Erickson, I'm Ryan Wormley. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 